Right, so hello everyone and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast. This is going to be a little bit different than usual because we've got an actual friend. We have made the one friend. There is one person out there. Have you asked his permission to see whether or not he's happy with us calling him a friend? That actually (laughs) wants to come on and be interrogated by us. And for those that are fans and part of the No Holds Barred witchcraft secret facebook group you will probably notice paul because he does is one of the rare people that likes to get involved and actually show a little bit about what he's doing instead of keeping it all secret because all you witches want to keep everything secret all the time don't you you don't share any of your crap now (laughs) paul is one of those people that does like to help other people and share a little bit of knowledge and what we were kind of impressed by is something that we don't see a lot of, and that's putting the actual craft back into witchcraft. So it's not just the the standard operation of witchcraft, you know, you're a standard puppet, standard this. You've kind of developed a bit of a an artist's kind of signature. It is actual art as opposed to just something to focus on that you see a lot with spells. So do you see your work as art? Or do you just see it as just something that you do? How did that kind of come about, your signature style of doing things? Broad, broad, and hello, everybody. <clears throat> broad question. <laughs> um, yes, the simple answer is yes. And that's because I, I really saw Wicca more as recipe and yeah. traditional witchcraft as being a, a chef. So I could have been a cook or I could have been a chef. And so I think what a signature difference between the two are you follow somebody else's creativity, someone else's passion, someone else's intuition, someone else's aesthetic. Uh, When in traditional witchcraft, you harvest from your local province, you harvest from your heart, you harvest from your own creativity and intellect, and you come up with something that's very creative. The, The signature aesthetic, to put it, a bit in a banal way is is designed to look witchy yeah i mean and that that really impresses clients i mean they really (laughs) oh yeah definitely get into that you know and (laughs) um but then take it beyond the banal it 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 also increases just the sense of gravitas of the operation so it's not just for them it's also for you it it, uh in my mind you do you need it no uh it but uh is it all part of the operation and the show yeah i think so well, all the, beautiful. well thank you thank you like, and, and beautiful like there is you. no other word to describe it it is it is our, yeah thank you each one's kind of you know i have a, a closet full of supplies but each time i'm it's kind of fun i feel like i'm going grocery shopping because depending upon what I want, I'm picking different things. And then I'm always on the lookout for new stuff. I feel like a hoarder a little bit on that score. All witches are hoarders, let's say. <laughs> but, you know, we were in the mountains recently and I found a little tur- a desiccated turtle shell. Well, you know, I'm taking that home. Yeah. You know. oh, yeah. So whereas your average person might say, oh, that was lovely. Don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> no real witches it goes in the bag mm-hmm. 
and that's what I, that's what happened. <laughs> so when you get someone that asks for um, some spell work or something like that, how much of it is the spell building itself um, versus I've got something in my mind that I just have to to get out and perfect? Because a lot of the time when I see something in my mind, it will be I need to make this and I need to get this out of my mind. Whereas other spells and things just tend to build and I don't really see where they're going until it's kind of complete. So is that, is that, do you have one kind of way of working in that sense? Or is it, you know, because again, a lot of it is art, like you said as well. So is, is do you have a clear picture in your mind of no. what it's going to look form like? That it will no. Take? no, 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 no. I must, a great question. Never thought you always ask questions that people don't think about, I think, but okay. Okay. I think think you do. That's really good. Uh, No, uh, I have a very uh, seed seed idea. It's like an acorn in my head. That's it. Which if it's for me, then of course I know what I want. If it's for some client or family or friend, it's, well, what do you want? What's your end game here? And we tend to have a bit of an in-depth discussion on the end game. Because specificity, I think, is the key to not screwing it all up. Yeah. (laughs) Magic works a bit like a genie. So, I mean, you have to be real specific. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to be watching out for those loopholes that the the genie's going to actually, you know, find a new way. I normally describe it as a path of least resistance. So if there is an easier way that that spell could happen you've got to have considered that because if there's an easier way for magic to flow, it will flow within that direction. Absolutely. I also think in terms of redundancy, I forgot which author or authors talked about redundancy, but the value of redundancy sort of like you want, uh, you would have, uh, you have an emergency brake on your car. Yes. Same thing. Uh, Not just choosing one thing for one thing and then another thing for another thing, but duplicating things. Yeah. But to your question, Liam, I really start with an acorn idea and then I tend to meditate on it for a bit and little ideas pop into my head. Um, I sometimes even dream about it, I guess. And, and then I see things. I keep my eye out for things that are novel in the yard or on hikes or something like that. And then I build it from there. So does it vary when it comes to the spell work versus ritual work? So obviously you you hold rituals and things like that for um other people and other people that get involved where it's a little bit different because obviously it's the atmosphere that everyone you know that to a certain extent unless you know the people extremely well it's that extra you know force that's interfering with the stuff that you're doing when you're working in ritual Uh versus the controlled kind of confines of spell work even if you've got a client even more than one client at least then you've kind of got more of a a hold on the situation i suppose but having those extra people interacting do you do you take any different approaches when it comes to the ritual stuff is it quite you, loose or is it because we've never been an obvious <laughs> rituals, so we're trying to get an idea <laughs> yes um we are known, and by we, I mean my husband and I, and he, go, he goes along with this happily, but he, identi- <laughs> he, 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 when we first were dating, he identified as atheist, and then he became agnostic, and now he often says things like, hey, can you do something for me, which is code for, 
make some kind of craft. So we're kind of known for having fets or soirees or just parties that are usually anchored in something magical, which is odd for Oklahoma, which is in the center yeah. of the United States. We are in the Bible Belt. Um, it's not as bad as you think. I mean, you obviously, you know, uh, America is far more purple than red or blue. It, that's quite a yeah. distortion to think of us as we're, I'm in a red state technically, but I'm actually in a purple state. Yeah. All that to say, we have lots of friends who come over and they delight in participating in witchcraft. Now, what I don't do is the more sophisticated stuff, more involved. For example, they're not going to be up for any chanting. I, I, I don't think I, I may be projecting. But I, I, I keep things very simple. It's like, okay, tonight's activity will be thus and so. So tonight we're all gonna make corn dollies together and we're gonna, and here are the art supplies. And then we're going to do a simple ritual to spank your corn dolly awake and uh, meditate on its abundant springing. You know, that's how I, I keep it where for my own personal stuff and for clients, what I'm doing and asking is far more nuanced. Yeah. Well, that's great because obviously people can kind of go in and out is, is really when it comes to how much they really want to admit to themselves <laughs> that they're getting involved. I suppose with something like that, if you're keeping it simple, people can walk away with that simple concept and kind of, pull it apart and have a real think about it. Whereas I know some people that do hold, we know people that hold rituals, so they just make everything extremely um, complex and elaborate. And people tend to miss the basic concepts of that. And I mean, we've seen bits and pieces from the pictures and stuff like that. We haven't done any astral spying on you, obviously. <laughs> but, um, it does seem to be one of those ones which there's a lot of thought that goes into, I think, the experience for the people that are involved with that. And there's, a, you know, a lot of rituals and stuff that you see being done publicly, a little bit that you've touched on already, is kind of, oh, well, you've just chucked that, chucked that out of a book and just copied it. And, you know, that's the, the artist involved, isn't it? The artist getting involved with making it your own. By druids. Yeah, I don't really see a lot of that, unfortunately, in a lot of ways. That, and that detaches me emotionally and metaphysically from anything too complicated it detaches me i feel i feel like an automaton after a point and yeah. i and i don't feel like that's powerful part, part of this idea of simplicity came from uh my undergrad i studied anthropology and i don't know what you, what you in the uk use for undergrad but it's after after 12 years of schooling you go to your it's college so what's that sixth form? Yeah, it's a sixth form. It's okay. kind of where we would do A-levels. Yeah. Okay. So my major was anthropology. My minor was psychology. And, I, and we still had to do a thesis um, uh, for undergrad. And my thesis was in the shamanistic folk magic practices of the American Southwest. Oh, wow. And I studied, because I lived in the Southwest of the United States, I studied the folk shamans um, of the Southwest. So I would go out there in the middle of nowhere, because that's where they are. <laughs> and, um, and I would 
take a translator with me and we and just watch them and ask them questions. And then, of course, I'm a participatory anthropo anthropologist. I wasn't going to uh, uh, academically uh, observe. So I would say, all right, I want a healing. Okay, I want a reading. And, I, and then they started to trust me and they would say, well, let me show you how to do it. Well, my point is their rituals were highly simplistic. Mm. They, they, I, I think they would have found the, the Wicca style stuff or, or, the, or the ceremonial magic stuff to be white, white guy you know yeah. white person level they would have thought what is that if you want to purify someone see that juniper tree branch over there cut a branch light it smoke them you know th that that's how they kind of <laughs> you know and and the chanting was largely roman catholic hail mary our fathers you know and so it was very syncretic but it was still simple and I've tried to borrow that. I've tried to mirror that in my work. Keep it simple. I think that's more uh, powerful. Yeah, I think I think there's a beauty in simplicity, and I think that's I think that's what is throws people when they come um, and mentee with us is the fact that we don't have these elaborate ways of doing things. Um, it is just kind of like you know, um, when I teach you know something as simple as charm bags, it's well, what have you got around the house? Like, find me something cloth of that person's body, you know, that person's whatever it is. Um, now go for a walk. Pick up anything that screams to you mm, during yeah, that yeah. walk. Stealing the underwear like, of your ex, that's your cup of tea. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's not being the sort of stuff I do. You're always okay. getting them to steal socks and pants. Making and poppets shorts. out of people's underwear. Yeah, it's exact, exactly what I get people to do. And the, um, the, weir the weirder, the better. The weirder item, the better. Well, I think it's just the more skid marks, the better in there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're the one that likes the biologicals. I'm not so keen on I do on like the biologicals. I do like the biologicals. <laughs> I much more prefer the cleanness of energy work. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, well, I, still re I still remember one curandera. And if it's a woman, it's a curandera. If it's a man, it's a curandero. Um, keep in mind a brujo or a bruja, those are witches. Those, and those, yeah. by that they mean black witch. So yeah. you go to a brujo or a bruja to kick someone's ass. That's what you do. Uh, and they do some, you know, they kick butt up to and including death. Yeah. Um, it's the curandera and the curanderos who do more healing. And if you have a problem with someone, they're going to they're gonna mostly strengthen you then do much to them. Yeah. That's how they're going to do it. But where, where was I headed with that? Oh, um, uh, something very simple was they would take an egg, a chicken egg, you know, and they'd roll it over you and they'd, they would take all the uh, negative energy out of you into the egg. Then they'd crack the egg into a glass and they'd read the egg and give you a diagnosis. That's, that's, that's pretty simple. And, you, you know, you're, you're, at first you go out to these places and you're thinking this is going to be very ceremonial, very complex. And, you know, uh, she pulls an egg from the chicken coop. Yeah. And I, I just fell in love with that. I fell in love. I was just enchanted to be, to use a pun. I was absolutely enchanted by their form of folk magic. But it's raw and it's not wasteful. 
I think that's what bugs yeah. me so much about modern is, oh, well, I must have this and I must have that. Um, and I'll have three of those just in case. Like I don't have anything planned, but just in case. Um, and, you know, they collect like magpies, just everything and anything. Yeah. And then never actually get around to doing any magic at all is what I find. Right. It tends to be more the fact of, you know, um, oh, well, I've got all this cool stuff. Look at my altar. It's so cool. And then, and then next minute you're kind of like, okay, well, what was the last spell you cast? Or oh, don't do any spell casting. And you're just kind of like, really? Really? Right. And, and I, think the, I think the actual um, passionate participation goes way down when they're just preoccupied with implements and ceremony. And so you're not, you're not present. And so uh, that's why I don't overplan things. I start off with an idea like, okay, and as you gentlemen know, I use lots of sympathetic magic, you know, or otherwise known as representative magic. I use lots of that. So I know something's going to represent something in some way. I got, all right, I plan that. <laughs> yeah. Or contagious magic. I know that I've got something from somebody that has a contagion. Well, fine. <laughs> yeah. But that, I really get into it in the moment. The only thing that's probably ritualized is the, um, the prep work in, in terms of the, a circle, if, if necessary, just some kind of preemptive creation of a sacred space. Okay, yeah. that's, that's probably a little more uh, rote. Uh, but but I, 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 don't, I, I don't invent that every time. We all have our ways of working that way. And I think, I think, that's, I think that's where they annoy me, the, the W words. Um, on the base, <laughs> on the basis of they don't understand that that's what they're doing. If you know, they'll just do a they'll do a circle every time we come to do, and you're just kind of like that's fine. If you're creating something for someone else, then you're going to create ritual space. If you need to go somewhere in order to take more, um, or open a open a portal to somewhere else, then you're going to take precautions. Like I just. The idea, yeah, I, I think I like, I like the more organic way. You've, you've talked a little bit about, obviously, black witchcraft, white witchcraft, healing, that kind of thing. Now, let's talk about your personal ethics, because that's always fun. What extremes <laughs> do you go to? Is there anything that you would say to someone, no, I'm not happy to do that for you? How does it, how do you... You know, what are your limits? What are your hard limits? <laughs> hmm. Philosophically, <clears throat> I look at the whole metaphysical wor world. You know, let's use that old English word weird, the weird, W-Y-R-D. <laughs> yeah. I look at the weird as no different than the, the world we live in now, which is uh, nu nuanced with good and bad, up and down, um, black and white, uh, cruelty, kindness. So I don't, I, I don't buy that the, um, I don't buy the airy fairy idea that the spirit world is just a bunch of unicorns and ponies and rainbows and everyone's happy and nice to. Of course each other. they are. What would so, we do without the unicorns? <laughs> and and don't forget the dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about yes. dolphins now. Right, and that's probably one of the things that annoyed me about some of the made for tv witchcraft was it was uh 
generally like that, I, except as I would think the American show Charmed, you know, they, I, I'll give them credit. They did seem to be struggling with the dark side of the spirit world a lot. But um, so organically, I, I mean, organically, metaphysically, I do believe it's all game. You know, it's all, we're, I'm all in. Now, I'd have to take it on a case-by-case basis because I don't know my emotional reaction to this. You might ask me to do something and I emotionally might have a reaction or a blockage to it, to, I, I, depending on what you're wanting. One of the authors I, I enjoy, he's very dense, but I enjoy him, is Robin Artisan. Um, now, sometimes his work is very, very involved and, and much less organic than I like to do. But he, he talks about um, not karma, but that that the weird is all like a web. So when you tweak a, a strand on the spider web, no matter what it is, you're vibrating too, because you're on the web. So he, he just basically says, be careful how you're tweaking things. So if if you're trying to cause death to someone on on the web, do keep in mind that's quite a that's quite a tweak of the spider web strand so uh if if you're sta- if you're a little spider here and they're a little spider there i don't know if this metaphor is working at all but and you it makes do something, sense okay and you do something <laughs> pretty butt kicking towards the spider over here you've now you've now really tweaked that spider web on the weird and so you you're going to bounce too i you can't define how you're going to bounce now this isn't at all the threefold thing what that the wiccans talk about i don't believe there's any puppeteer going ah look at you naughty you i'm gonna bring it back to you threefold it's just it's just physics cause and effect yeah it's cause and effect you jump up on a trap up and down on a trampoline everyone else is gonna jump up and down as well and one of them's gonna fall off at some point probably if they're near the edge oh yeah that i I like your trampoline um metaphor better that was good i like that So have you ever pushed someone off the trampoline then? <laughs> no, I did. There was one particular one uh, last year where this person, these were my best friends, and this person was really hurting them. And so I, what I did to get a, what I did a little bit, I cheated a little bit, is I said, I'll help you do it. Oh, we do that. We use that one. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, wanted, they wanted some serious stuff. So I said, look, okay, it's going to be your cause and effect. I mean, I'll help you. So I obviously can't say I'm not participating. But you guys, you guys are going to have to, I'll show you the ritual. You do it. And, and so it's, it's your trampoline. <laughs> yeah, we, we use that card a lot. <laughs> I'll just swap trampolines once this is going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that, that's, that's one of those things I think that you kind of, you either have to decide clearly what you're willing to share and teach and help with, or you've kind of got to say, look, anything over this, I'll give you the knowledge, but I'm not necessarily going to do it myself. That's the cop out that we use all the time. Good. I feel validated. <laughs> if somebody's going to take that kind of approach then they've got to you know pay whatever price is necessary for that approach um 
I want necessarily the work, but I'm happy to facilitate. Like I say, our golden rule is always that we won't affect people for more than one lifetime. In um, a negative starts, way. In a negative way. Oh. It just starts but to it get... it doesn't matter this messy. lifetime. Yeah. For a lifetime, but not till. <laughs> <laughs> I so, like that. I like that. I may borrow that. I'll give you guys just, credit, though. Oh, you don't need to give us credit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, here I, we I, go. I, go on. I've got one for you. Now, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed what's been going on in the in the Facebook group today, but someone posed a question regarding, essentially, they wanted to have someone else do a quote-unquote black magic spell. Now, I did ask what it was involved or what they wanted and they said they wanted to make their ex fall back in love with them so if you had someone that approached you with that request how would you deal with that talk us through your thought process <laughs> all right i'm a little bit biased here because i'm a psychotherapist for in my career so i'm a clinician so in my day job I do, I do psychotherapy and I run a mental health trauma clinic, okay? So my first thought as a psychotherapist is, why, what the hell is going on here? I mean, I, 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 this happens where they ask me for stuff and I'm thinking, oh, you've got some work to do. So <laughs> I start, you know, I would, I would actually, and this has happened in all kinds of, in readings and whatnot, because you guys know I read the Tarot, um, I'll ask people psychological questions. So my, my fundamental question would be, um, so you, so you want a kind of magic magicalized zombie? <laughs> yeah. is, is that what you're, is that, is that what you're asking? You, you want magic to come along and zombify your ex, which is how I see it, make him fall in love with you. Where's the authenticity in that? the authenticity i just want the saturday morning cuddles right <laughs> <laughs> right and so then i'm just like well then get a doll you know get a sex doll i mean i'm being rather crass here but um i guess my conversation would start i don't think our answer was much better to be honest but <laughs> I, I, I think you know that gives us a window into your practice because there are there will be people that will just say i'll give you what you want you can deal with the consequences and then there's people like it sounds um like the approach that you take which is okay so what really does this person want that they may be aware of or unaware of and what's really going to help the person caring a little bit more about the client than just giving right. them what they want because right. i think for a lot of practitioners when they get people that ask them to help them uh people ask practitioners like us to help them with magic and stuff we kind of have to think a lot of the time you probably don't actually want that and there's something deeper at play obviously if you're trained to deal with the, the psyche that helps but it is nice that some people such as yourself actually put some in you know insight into that think about that right. and won't just give everyone what they want well i yeah and i and i like i like to take their request to its limit yeah and say so what you're asking for is what we see on disney movies yeah where yeah. where a witch in the village enchants 
the prince to fall in love with this person and it's a counterfeit love yeah. and then someone disenchants the enchantment and then everyone wakes up so i would also say to this person is your end game a lifetime of en enchanted love because if someone can fall in love with you as this person might have in the first place they fell out of love with you mm, so yeah. love is an ebb and flow kind of thing so are, is what you're asking for like full tilt nelly 100 percent total love till death do we part is that what you're asking for because you're really asking for a disney spell you're you're wanting this person to be under an enchantment how does that feel good i get the cuddles uh, well, the, the person said what they wanted, I think is the flawed way of thinking that you've basically said. What they want is they want to force someone to love them so that they realize that actually I did love you all along. So it's kind of like the, the lover's snare spell, which turns out that, oh, well, I did love you all along. It just took this little bit of influence, this magical nudge. But obviously it was never going to work out, let's be fair. Um, yeah <laughs> which is sometimes, why this person got uh, torn to pieces in the group but there we yeah. go yeah and sometimes i think i end up going compromise or what i like to call middle path and i'll say all right what's middle path let's make you more charismatic let's yeah. let's do that and then he or she may pay attention or somebody else may pay attention because if what i mean quite frankly think about all the relationships you've been in. Sometimes you don't leave a relationship until someone else comes along and they yank you out. This is how the yes. planet turns around, right? Um, few are the people in my line of work, few are the people who leave a relationship and take that healthy break and then go on to the next one. A lot of people get yanked out. So in this case, I'd be like, well, how, how do you feel about getting yanked out of this one? What if, what if this enchantment was a charismatic enhancement of you and you let the you let the chips fall where they may you know we roll the dice i just want him to love me right <laughs> <laughs> because he really does love me but he doesn't realize it you see so i want you to make him realize oh, so, it oh so she okay 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 <laughs> well that's a little different to say i want him to realize what's dormant is a little yeah, different than cre really creating. don't like her <laughs> right. Well, see, and, and, and then I would say then, then if we compromise and say, all right, we'll help him realize what's dormant. My presumption is because magic always has presumption. You're, you're always presuming certain things to be true. You have to be very aware of that. So then I would say to her, then my presumption is he really does. So if it doesn't work, guess what? Door number one, it didn't work because technically it didn't work. Or door number two, it didn't work because he doesn't love you. So you're trying to trick her into <laughs> doing what's best, <laughs> basically. <laughs> or, or, or I guess uh, take a little dose of reality. Yeah, discover her morals. And, and stop looking at magic as a um, uh, as sugar. You know that I can just take some yeah. some sugar and feel good. Um, like it's a sugar high so yeah. yeah i guess that's how i'd approach it with her is just say something like that is say well if it's truly dormant and we wake it up fine but if it's not dormant then it won't wake up so was there been a spell that you've done for someone else or maybe even yourself 
most likely someone else that you've looked back and you thought oh i really shouldn't have taken that approach actually um no not that i can recall right now that doesn't mean it didn't happen and i think that's partly because i tend to do things not like us you see at psychic fairs where it's just I used to belong to a psychic fair. That's a whole nother story. Hated every minute of it. But you were required to see client after client after client after yeah. client after client. So I tend not to run my gig that way. I'm, I try to really be thoughtful, interview, talk to them. What are you after? So I try to ferret out the, the BS. There's a lot in the preparation there, though, isn't there? Because again, it goes down to the, the practitioner that just says, okay, I'll give you what you want, that's fine. Or whether you actually want to build upon something. And it sounds like obviously you really want to give them what's best for them and to really think about it and build on a solid foundation. You don't see that though, I think nowadays. So what, what do you feel about the, the general state of the magical community then? <laughs> Well, I think we're probably on the Patreon by now, so safe now. Um, the, well, yeah, there does appear does it to fill be... fill you with pride? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, if I say we, if I use the pronoun we, I think we largely look ridiculous. Um, the royal we. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you get down into those who are practicing... Uh, more organically, you know, in the traditional sense, not following little spell books and um, combine two drops of ro rose oil with three shavings from an orange and, and all that kind of stuff. Don't um, forget the menstrual blood. Right. right, right. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I think we, we can, now I'm changing the we to we, we look like you can take us more seriously. I, you know, I, I would take us more seriously than I would the other, the other folks. But that is, but is that purely because we're clearly doing stuff or is that because we actually sound like we know what we're talking about? <laughs> uh, uh, both. I think just to me, Wiccans frequently sound like they're following somebody else. And Ooh, controversial. Yeah, in another, they just another do. Coat, and, and traditional witches sound to me like they are inspired by many. But what about the PKTW, the post-Keldon traditional witches? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they just Wiccans that use a compass instead of a circle? Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and and you can absolutely hybrid it that way, and 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 borrow a couple things like from different book writers. Yeah, Jim McGarry. Yeah, but but then that but then when it comes to it, you're still perusing uh, grimoires, if you will, to try to find the yeah. right, the right. So I I see that as um, you've. Um, You've, you've simply uh, borrowed from traditional witchcraft, but you're still fundamentally Wiccan, I guess, is the way to put that. I, I think what differentiates a traditional witch from everybody else is, yeah, is you, um, 
you have a you have a way of working but it's organic it can change you're certainly inspired it changes according to your province um i live in oklahoma i used to live in the american southwest there were ingredients i was never going to get and you know uh so what do you do well you change according to your province so i i think other folks in our community tend to act like well then i guess i got to order that ingredient on amazon yeah for for it to work so thank god for amazon because now here comes my herb um so where I, else would you find turtles right <laughs> i don't know if that answered the question or if i just rambled there but no i think i think you answered the question let's put another question a difficult question let me think of something <laughs> I've put me on the spot now. Um, do you think that there's a lack of um, a lack of creativity, lack of aim, um, lack of ambition within the magical community in general? Um, maybe compared to what you might think of as the past in the past, so ancient practitioners, the archetypes. Because I've often said that. A big problem with uh, magical practitioners nowadays, certainly the sort that you see on the internet, is that they don't really have a lot of ambition. They're never really trying to push for something. You read, you know, the classics, you've always got witches, even if they were, you know, outcast from society, they were always working on something, something big. Nowadays, it kind of seems like, you know, it's all very folk magic-y, and that's the actual practitioners. And then the non-practitioners is basically, well, I'm just worried about how many likes I'm getting on whatever social media platform. Yeah. Do, you, do you meet many people with quite a lot of ambition within magic that really want to push themselves? No, and, and, and quite, quite frankly, I feel like those people are largely hidden right. and solitary and, um, um, you know, when you go through YouTube, just as an example, and you plug in witchcraft, you're mostly going to get the group of people that you're talking about where it's, it's a, it's a cute hobby. Pathetic. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll get very few videos where it's, um, serious, you know, people who know the why behind the metaphysics, they understand the why and they're harvesting the why to get to the what. Mm. So the first yeah. group is stuck in the what. So they're like, do it this way. Here's a, here's a video on how to do an abundance candle spell. And uh, so people watch that YouTube the way as if they're about to um, repair their dishwasher. And so yeah. they watch that and they go, okay, so I got to do it that way. Uh, the traditional folks are always creating, I don't know, co-creating it, I guess, co-creating the craft. That's what I see. You know, it takes me back to my psychic fair days. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Tell us about that. You know, <laughs> I put myself through college going to these dang psychic fairs. And what was embarrassing was, and I sound so elitist saying this, but it's just, I got to say it. Uh, You're it amongst it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> table after table after table of these airy-fairy, folks who were doing the same they were serving the same mcdonald's schlop mm -hmm. that um there was no there was no creativity there was no variety uh and there was a tremendous pressure to serve mcdonald's crap 
What you mean, like crushed velvet and an amethyst crystal? Yeah, and even their even their tables look like that. You, know, <laughs> you, 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 you went by, you thought, oh, for God's sake, you know. And I was like, I will stand by my own service. I will stand by. So my table was understated. My table was. I mean, you guys wouldn't believe that. Seen my current. I was going to say understated. Right. Are we talking that, about the right, same guy? Right. Right. But I. I guess part of that was my reaction is I didn't want to be sucked into the McDonald's, the, the, the psychic, the McDonald's psychics. I didn't want to be sucked in there. So I the used McDonald's psychics. That is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> We're stealing that. Just saying. Like McDonald's psychic. <laughs> I mean, At the very I, least, there is another podcast coming. Called McDonald's, McDonald's psychics. psychics. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That brilliant. just came to me. Um, uh, and I even used a different tarot deck than everyone else did. I didn't use the Anglo-Saxon Rider Waite Smith or the Thoth deck. I used the Tarot de Marseille deck, which mm. people didn't understand. They didn't understand how I could read the Tarot de Marseille. Uh, so I did everything I could to set myself apart and, and, and look a little bit more grounded, earthy, and... Uh, or, or Professional. Or, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I eventually tired of those damn fairs because there was tremendous pressure. Whenever you sent, set yourself apart, you invited the resentment of everyone in the room. So they, they tended to kind of look, uh, look, look at me as a snob. So who do you think was more in need of your services? The clients that come to the psychic fairs or the actual psychics themselves? <laughs> Or is and it a tough call? And it's funny you should say that because uh, during downtimes, <laughs> they would come to my table, and I and I. This sounds so bad. I'm just gonna look like such a jerk, but I had no desire to go to their table during downtimes. Oh, like, you're a nasty bitch. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not gonna go to. You. What are you gonna give me? I mean, I, I guess once or twice I did just for shits and giggles. I'm like, well, let me let me just try this out. And what did I get? Oh, um, you know, you need to love yourself more, um, and then other people will love you, and you just need to feel your own abundance. That's what the cards are saying, is you just need to feel your own abundance, and then the abundance will surround you. And I was like, this is crap. What? These are just platitudes. Whereas in my readings, I was saying, um, the cards are saying, it doesn't look like he loves you. Um, Looks like it, also domestic violence is coming up here. It, does that resonate with you? I mean, I was doing some readings like this. Real work. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I forgot where I was headed on that one. But um, yeah, they, so they would come to my table and I would do readings. But then they were like, would you, well, would you like, because, you know, in the psychic world, it's all about trade. Would you like to trade? Yeah. Would you like to trade? Trade energy. I'm like, oh, Ugh, take, okay, we'll trade. <laughs> That's how you get her piece. Yeah. The, the only tables where I was like, okay, I like you, was the grandma. I don't know how she got there, but uh, <laughs> abuelita, I guess, is what they say in Spanish. The abuelita, abuela, I guess that's what they say, the abuela, <laughs> who somehow got to the fair. She had this table. She put down a Mexican blanket. And she did something. And I'll tell you what, I was like, I like you. I like you. Because you showed up, you showed up with your organic stuff. You don't have a, you don't have a cloth on your table with moons and stars. 
and fairies and dolphins. You, you laid down a Mexican blanket, which is from your province. You've got stuff from your province. You've got stuff from your house. You got a statue of Jesus there, which, hey, that's how you roll, because she's Roman Catholic. Those types of people caught my attention, but they were few and far between at these fairs. So what's my the favorite problem? one. Yeah, what's the real problem with the fairs? Was it the organizers just allowing anyone that wants a table a table? Or how much do you blame the people that attend the fairs wanting to see a specific thing versus the organizers and that? Because we run psychic fairs and they're not quite like the usual psychic fairs, which is why we get a lot of flack for it. Um, and I just wondered from your perspective, what, because obviously I think we, all agree about <laughs> these psychic fairs are a little iffy. How do you think that you can fix that? Can it be fixed? Is it just something that we need to just let die? Do we just uh, throw it away? That's, that's a great question because during that time, I really looked at the two, well, there was various organizers over the years because there was various fairs. I really did look at the organizers as lowering the bar. And so you're right, I'm, I, or in, in a sense, I agree with you. I think it's the organizers who can lower the bar. Right. And if they would just raise the bar, um, and, and I didn't realize they had lowered it so much until I went there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we and, were the same, I think. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't and then I sat down at one of the, ta I made my table, I thought, oh my God, where have I landed? Uh, I'm, an, I'm a little embarrassed. Uh, or I'm going to spend my entire weekend in this joint. Oh my God. So I do think the organizers need to up, up their game or raise the bar, which would be testing people, you know, having some demonstrations, you know, audition. That's a terrible word after all my critique, but audition for, for my group then. And I did, I did audition for her, this particular one I'm thinking of. And I was flattered. I didn't know I was auditioning. She sent one of her flying monkeys in to, to sit <laughs> yeah. at my to sit with me, and I did readings. And she came. She came back to the table and sat down. And she said, "Well, you passed." I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "Well, we were testing you." <laughs> so I was flattered on day one, like, "Oh, wow!" Yeah, you know. And I was young too, you know, so I was easily flattered. Then I got to the fair, and I, I looked around. And I said, "Okay." Don't be so flattered. These people passed too. <laughs> Everyone passed. We all passed. Okie dokie. And so I realized what the psychic for organizer, this one was after, was just money. Just They just wanted a Disneyland. That's all they, they weren't looking for quality yeah. work. They were just like, will you, can my fair appear, appeal to a wide spectrum, the widest spectrum of people as possible? Um, and that was it. Seats. Yeah, she just wanted to sell tickets. That was it. So I eventually pulled out of those, and I said, "I'm just going to do my own private gig," and that went much better. So, do you uh, teach a lot then, as well? Do you get a lot of people that ask you for help and guidance from a mentor perspective, or do you actually take a couple of people under your wing, or do no. you not like to get involved with other people's paths? Uh, no, it's simply a matter of time. My my other career absolutely takes a lot of attention. 
and I simply run out of sunlight or I run out of, I I run out of fuel in my fuel tank. It's that simple. I would love to do more mentoring and teaching. I used to teach Tarot classes. I used to, and I'm right now I'm working on a, on a major seminar on how to read the Tarot de Mose, but I, I have to pick at that because um, I don't have time to sit there forever and just get it done. Yeah. So I, that's one thing I'm working on is how do you read a non-illustrated tarot deck where the minors are not illustrated? This is well, a you just mistake. get the book, don't you? And you just say, right. what does that card mean? Oh, that's right. Right. <laughs> or, or what people do, I know this is a little bit down a rabbit hole, but they'll take, <laughs> they'll take the tarot de Marseille card, minor card, and then they'll in their mind go, well, now wh- how is that illustrated on the writer Waite Smith? Oh. <laughs> So like the three of swords, they'll take the three of swords and they'll go, mm, okay, now on the Rider Waite Smith, there's a big heart and it's being stabbed by three swords. Yeah. Got it. And that's then you're, you're not, you're not in full, full contact with what the card means. It's one step removed. You might as well just read the Rider Waite Smith. Yeah. So what I teach is a method of how do you not do that? How do you make contact with what the car- cards are saying and how they're interacting? I don't do positions. There's no I don't do the, this means this, this position means this. It's a different way of doing it. So that's, that's the only teaching I could see myself doing in the near future. Is that because that you love that so much? Or do you think that that is a system that you can help someone else or teach someone else or a language that you can teach someone else that you see fixes a problem with the way people learn? So is it just your passion for it? Or do you think that it's just a really great tool that will correct and kind of counterbalance the shit that's out there? Probably. (laughs) You just had to just state it that second way and I got it. Uh, Door number two. (laughs) Okay. It's it's mostly corrective. Because I can can love to read their Marseille Tarot and just be fully happy with myself doing readings, you know, for people. But for me to go out there and teach, uh, that means I'm trying to correct something. Yeah. For sure. Which I, I, I think tarot has become terribly cliche. And um, I'm never impressed when I see someone reading tarot using an illustrated deck like that. Because I think, okay, all you're doing is you're just reading movies, movie frames. Uh, each card is a movie frame. I'm talking about the minor arcana mostly. And you're just reading a movie frame. And then you get into these ridiculous decks like the unicorn tarot, the cat tarot. <laughs> um, Are that the real ones? Yeah. <laughs> I even saw the gay tarot. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And, you know, I looked at some of the cards. I was like, this is just, this is even gay cliche. I mean, this is, so now you've got a gay, you've got a, a cliche tarot with, with just gay cliche. Cliche imagery. Yeah, it's just just dumb. So I liked using the old antique tarot, and I think that corrects something in the field. It makes them work harder. Yeah, I was going to say you've got to put some work in, don't you, as well? I think that's what comes. People are so used to having everything instant, McDonald's. They can't even have to wait; it's already ready. They've already cooked your order. Yeah. I think that's the biggest problem with a lot of which is full stop. They want everything ready made, like, you know, and I don't mean in a kind of hoodoo way where someone's actually prepared something for days. 
in order for you to buy it it's it's a this is pre-packaged <laughs> like um yeah I, I i'll stop now because otherwise i'll go around <laughs> <for another> time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the way I read the cards with the Marseille Tarot is the cards interact systemically, meaning mm -hmm. you rarely come to a meaning through one card, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, it's two to three or so that you have to look at the scene and then you go, oh, she's looking at her. He's looking at that. She's, uh, this is, these two things are happening. It's a systemic way of seeing the, the cards interacting, which you can't get out of a book. No. But it's awfully powerful for your client who's sitting there going, oh, my God, you're right. I see that scene because you, you tell them why you show them yeah. why you're saying what you're saying. That's powerful. Um, in fact, my clients sit right here and, sit and see the same thing I see. I don't allow passivity, which is like, oh, this is what they're saying. Just trust me. I, I say this is what they're saying and this is why I'm saying what I'm saying. And if I'm doubt, doubtful, I'll say, I don't know, sorry. And this is why I don't know. This is why I could go two ways. Maybe we'll clarify it with another spread, an, another tableau, but uh, I'll even say, I don't know. And this is, but I'll say why. This is why I can't, I don't know. I can't figure it out. They like that degree of candor. This thing here is in the way. Yeah, they, they like that I don't BS, that I don't pretend to know. I think that's, hey, there, I just was inspired. There's something I see a lot of psychics do is they pretend to know. I have no scientific studies to prove that, but it just seems like they pretend to know a lot. That they're asked questions they don't know, they can't figure out the answer, whatever divinatory method they're using, they can't figure it out, but they pretend to know because not knowing would um, be a sign of not knowing what they're doing. And the reason for that a lot of the time is because of where they think they get the information from. Oh, so here we, we go. We come across a lot of psychics that do, and that's because they feel it's coming from somewhere. They oh, don't even power. look for why. They don't even look for why. They're just giving information. Oh, well, I don't know why. I'm just giving this information to you that I've just been yeah. given for you. Yeah, right. Whereas right, and, you look at it... Yeah scientifically almost and go. yes and and this method is considered scientific i didn't invent it i got it from somewhere um and it it follows laws there's there are about 13 different laws that you have to follow well what that means is is i can't say anything with confidence unless i can back it up with a law that's one of the ideas behind it is um i have to be able to prove it so when i say things i I can prove it. Now, could I probably hold their hands without the cards and da 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 da? Probably. I I I don't know. I I guess I I just I like the idea that there's a tableau in front and I can say this is why I'm saying yes, this is why I'm saying no, this is why I'm saying maybe. Well, it sounds like you've got quite a um in terms of your mind and the way that your mind works. A lot of people seem to go too far left brain or right right. And, you know, with the structure and the scientific approach that you kind of talk about when you're talking about reading cards and stuff versus the very artistic approach when it comes to magic seems to suit you quite well. The fact that you can dive into both of those worlds. And I do see a lot of people that really struggle. They're great at one, 
or the other mm -hmm. and really struggle with the two. And I think really progression in magic does involve being able to walk down both of those kind of paths because mm -hmm. you learn skills and things from both areas. Um, what would you say to the idea that a lot of people in the West these days just seem to want to steal their magical practices from cultures that they think are quite exotic? Yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah. something you've noticed? Yes. Um, and it can look a little silly sometimes. And I'm guilty. I've been guilty of it over the years. In my search for something that's comfortable, I've been guilty of, you know, the fancy word now, the politically correct word is cultural appropriation. But let's take the politics out of that and just say, are you taking something from a culture that you really have no organic association with? And I see that happen and it just looks silly um, or inauthentic, I guess, is the best word. And I did that with uh, voodoo, or you should say voodoo. Um, my husband and I were married by a voodoo priestess in New Orleans. Okay, fantastic. I really got into voodoo and in an academic way started studying, et cetera, et cetera. And then I asked myself, am I African? Am I African-American? Am, am I part of the African diaspora? I'm not. In fact, I kind of symbolize the oppressor, you know, from a very, uh, you know, when you look at how, where Vodou came from, it yeah. was, it, it was a counter movement. Well, well it was also a, a legitimate spiritual system from Africa, but it, it evolved into a counter movement to, to the whites. So anyway, I, I realized, you know what, I'm Northern European. Let me, let me explore that a little more because that fits my, family tree better and that's not me being hopefully that's not me being racist that's me just being authentic saying what am i doing over here swimming in this african diaspora pool uh, mm -hmm. but i know this is controversial i know there's uh, uh there's there's people who say well, why wouldn't you the spiritual world doesn't care about your race etc etc i just come at it from does this feel authentic to me and that's why I la I've landed in kind of the Northern European uh, practices. Yeah, I think there's a difference between being inspired by other people's practices, no matter where they come from, or even if it's just the local witch down the road and seeing them tackle a situation and being able to understand the way they've tackled a situation and learning from that versus, oh, I'm gonna start calling myself a priest now. You know, it's yeah. kind of, it does make me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I think we kind of sit in that gap of, well, I think if you don't try and learn from other practitioners and see it as magic and learning from other forms of magic, it can, you know, stop you from learning lessons you wouldn't necessarily already be exposed to, or you wouldn't be exposed to otherwise. But then at the same time, it's a case of, well, I'm not really being authentic in the fact that I'm going to set up shop as such and such, and I have no idea how that works. <laughs> right. And, and that's, that's where I feel comfortable. I've studied voodoo, voodoo, hoodoo, and those are, you know, three, three distinct branches. You know, voodoo's Haitian, voodoo's more like New Orleans, Amer Americanized voodoo, and hoodoo is the 
biblical um, American South joined with voodoo. So there's your federal, your federal express style summary. <laughs> I study them in the sense of, well, what can I learn? Like you're saying, Oh, look at that. That's their use of sympathetic magic. Oh, yeah. that's their use of contagious magic. Oh, that, Oh, look at them. They're doing, ap, uh, what do we say? Ap, apotropaic, apotropaic magic. Oh, look, that's yeah. their version of apotropaic magic. That's how I enjoy it. Yeah. But what I, what I've held back from doing and I feel comfortable holding back is I haven't then said, well, then I'm going to become a hoongan or, um, or, yeah. Yeah. I, I've said that's as far as I'm going to go is I'm going to appreciate your aesthetic. I'm going to appreciate how you translated those whys, those metaphysical principles behind magic. And I stop, I've decided to stop there and then go to the, my Northern European side and go, now let me go ahead and jump in here. Uh, do I feel comfortable identifying more with this cultural aesthetic? Yes, I do. So when it comes to you obviously progression along your magical path, learning new skills and things like that, how much of that learning do you think comes from experiments that you do and trying things out versus a physical teacher or someone showing you their methods versus spirits and that sort of thing? So when it comes to nowadays, or maybe even if there is a change that you've perhaps seen over, you know, your lifetime, this current one, um, <laughs> you know, how would you say you learn the most nowadays? Is it from experimentation? Is it from outside counsel? Um, yeah, that has changed. Uh, early on, it was book reading, and I, I was guilty as anybody else from being an armchair guy. <laughs> I, I sat in my armchair and read and then read and read and read and I didn't do a darn thing but I read I, I imagined myself doing something over the years of course I now I now jump in I jump into the deep end of the pool and say well I'm gonna go try it so I read yeah. I, I read just a little bit to get inspired and then I jump in and that's where I learned the most I don't get a whole lot out of um somebody showing me what to do i get more out of people talking the philosophy of magic okay tell Inspired. let's talk about why let's talk about yeah um like your recent podcast on angels okay <laughs> i'm like okay no i've not gone into the angel realm very much most of most of the time it seemed I've awfully tight in <laughs> I mean, from what I've seen about the whole angel thing, it was really closely tied in with the British ceremonial magic magical tradition. Which yeah, I've been banned from that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and that just seemed awfully involved. So I was like, oh my God, I just want to keep this organic. Um, so, and then somebody made the observation, angels are dicks, was that Chris? Okay. He says that a lot. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah, I do. I, okay, that makes sense. So I enjoy having those conversations and then letting them just influence what I'm doing. But I wouldn't get much out of show me, show me what you're doing. Because I'd, I, here's why. Because I'd be like, well, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You came up with that. Um, and if you're going to open a grimoire and say, well, you've got to do these seven steps to angelic mm -hmm. abundance. 
Or seven yeah. seven steps to make the angels pay attention to you. I'd be like, Mm-mm, no, I don't believe it. <laughs> no, I, that's just me. I could be wrong. I just, I can't buy that. I follow these seven steps and the angels say, you got us. You did the seven steps. We've got nothing else to do, but yeah. give you what you want. But I could be wrong on that. I find they respond better to boy, to uh, oi, dickhead, get over here. <laughs> That's just my approach. Yeah, you Angels guys made that say, point. But they do as a told. Yeah, I, I, that was new. All right. That, see, that was, I learned that. <laughs> I learned something because what somebody said, they act more like soldiers. Uh, they're more soldiers on the field than they are the generals. Uh, creatively coming up with the battle and i thought oh no that's intriguing that made me think in terms of well maybe i do want to get one of them by the leash but i have <laughs> not tight yeah <laughs> michael likes it oh they all okay, like it see? secretly people in that sort of positions of power they love to be hogtied in my experience <laughs> <laughs> they crave it yeah <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm off on Michael now. Let's go back <laughs> to where were we going? <laughs> we're talking about partly stealing magic from other people's cultures and how you progress along your journey. And you I think, know. I think, I think to a certain extent, it's different for people like ourselves. And the main reason for what that you is mean the elitist do... class. No, no. <laughs> Stop putting words in my mouth. This is why well, I've been I didn't quiet. put words in your mouth. Someone else said that today. <laughs> This is <laughs> this is why I've been quiet because you will put words in my mouth. Anyway, the I think the reason that is different for us is the sense, and I don't mean elitist. I mean uh, people that do client work. So the fact that actually we have to see that person's perspective, like you said with the tarot, and um, be having them sat your side of the table, looking at the same image that they are looking at. I've no, I don't think I've ever heard anyone suggest that. Not a psychic uh, fair. Definitely yeah. not a psychic <laughs> fair. But like, do you, you know, like, obviously that's the sort of ways that we would work naturally when you're with a client because you mm. you don't sit opposite one another. You sit, you know, and you work through the, you're both looking at the same picture and going, okay, this is what's happening. Um, and I think in those moments, you've got to have a decent understanding of of their the magical principles that are at play in their reality field. So there is the fact that, you know, if you're going to someone that is a Vudon practitioner, or you're going to someone that is Wiccan, in that client arrangement, you've got to understand how that world works for them and how to manipulate it for them. Um, you know, sometimes it costs too much of a line. And like you say, you go, well, actually, I'll, I'll tell you how it's working. Um, but you've got to go away and do it because I don't understand enough of your practice in order to tell you exactly how mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. this is how I'd approach. And sometimes it's a case of, you know, doing the client work for them and kind of going, well, actually, you wouldn't be able to do this or you shouldn't do this. <laughs> so I'll, I'll do it for you. Right. Um, or you wouldn't understand it, which sounds terribly elitist <laughs> or, or condescending. But you, w with your cultural paradigm, you wouldn't understand it. Let's put it more academically. Yeah. With your cultural paradigm, you wouldn't understand it. 
or it would frighten you. Um, it'd be off-putting. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced there's some things I've done where people would think, Ooh, goodness. Yeah. Like if you're going to use, um, menstrual blood or your own blood or, you know, bodily fluids, that's off-putting to some people. They, and so you just keep that on the down low because <laughs> <laughs> they can't handle yeah. it. I think, so, I think there is a, there is always a limit and it, it's your responsibility at that point to explain what needs to be explained <laughs> and to not explain what doesn't need to be explained. Right. Um, which some people would call gatekeeping, which is another word I hate, but never mind. Well, that's another <laughs> thing. I mean, when you're talking about kind of opening up and showing your work inside and taking the client on the journey, um, why do you think that other people don't do that, whether it's witches or readers? Do you think that they're trying to keep information away from the client? Do you think they just don't know? Is it just a, the way the, the culture is so people don't think to work like that? I, I, think, it's, I think it's the last one. It's the way the culture is, so they, they think I, I don't, I mean, some of them have a culture of secrecy, let's face it. They yeah. say, oh, this is very secret, and so of course, I, I think sometimes they think if I pull the curtain back, it'll, the whole operation will look banal. It won't have the mystique that I want it yeah. to have if I pull the curtain back. I think that's part of it. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of people assume the clients don't care. A client okay. just wants a service, give me my, give me my service and this is lovely you studied it you that's nice and they, they they honestly think that the clients especially if people are paying by the hour i think a lot of the clients would be like don't don't be wasting my minutes telling me why you're doing what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> i need spiritual intel i don't need you to walk me through your process so i think that's some of it to be honest I, I tell people what I'm doing because I'm trying. I'm also trying to inspire them. I want them to. Uh, yeah. I want them to see. If it's tarot, I want them to see why I'm saying what I'm saying because it's more powerful for them to go. Oh my god! And sometimes they'll take a picture. They'll take a picture of, of what I said, and they'll, oh, I got to get that on my phone, and I got to look at that later. Um, if it's if it's some sort of craft, they walk away. They kind of participated in it. I think it's more powerful. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd agree with that. And magic is a beautiful thing. And it still shocks me when you meet people that haven't really experienced it before and haven't kind of delved into that world. And you kind of think, how, what is your, what is your world like? What is your life like if you don't have this as a part of it? It's very, 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 I still find it very strange, you know, to meet people like that. And it's, I think when you go through that magical world and you set foot into it, um, it's difficult to go back unless you're Doreen Valiente. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. She's just doing that for the money. Yeah, I, I, I agree. In, in my world, which is quite frankly, awfully medical and clinical by, by my training, I still, maybe that's why I traverse in both worlds fairly easily. Anything that's going on in my life, personally, professionally, you name it, I'm always thinking metaphysical correlates. I'm always yeah. thinking, oh, well, what could I do metaphysically right now to support yeah. that? 
Or what could I do metaphysically right now to combat that? Um, even if it's like a coworker, hope they're not watching. Uh, and I'm like, she needs to simmer down. I might think, hmm, what could I do metaphysically to help her simmer down? But I don't know if ever, uh, well, I know a lot of people don't do that. The only other people who have any closeness to that are the Judeo-Christians who pray about everything. And, yeah. You know, they, 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 they ask the sky God for everything, you know, and they thank the sky God for everything. Thank you for this, this meal. Everything gets asked for and thanked. I mean, they're the only culture I could see actually think spiritually about things. But then you've also got the other, the other way of looking at it. If it's good, it came from him. If it's bad, it came from him. Right, right. So it's, what, what part <laughs> of that falls on me? Right, so, Satan's, Satan's testing me. Oh, yeah, of course. And then I'm thinking, well, a, a Taoist would say, Satan's not testing you. This is, this is Mother Nature bitch slapping you. And there's something to be gained by that. So if you did have from your, if we call it a mundane job, it might not be the most mundane job, but we'll call it a mundane job. Um, if you had, say, a client that you were counselling or what have you, and you think, oh, there is something metaphysical that I really feel would benefit this client, would you go and do that in secret? Or would you ethically think, well, I know this would help, but I don't want to get involved because I haven't been asked, that kind of thing? Uh, door number two. I don't like okay. to, when it comes to, I like to keep wearing a different hat. Yeah. I don't right. like to, I don't like to mix hats. And so, uh, and even if the client came to me and asked me for something, let's say they figured that out. Yeah, I've kept the two worlds compartmentalized, but let's say yeah. they figured it, I still wouldn't do it. I'd refer them. Not sure who yeah, I'd refer them really to. But yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mix those hats. Mm -mm. Cause I can't Not even secretly. No, I, no. I, I can't live with that in good conscience because when I'm practicing my clinical work, it, it has to meet a certain standard of, of community consensus. I mean, and so yeah. when I start veering off into this, just because I think it no, I mean, part of it's just pragmatic. I'd lose my license for doing stuff like that. Well, not if they didn't <laughs> oh, yeah. know. If they didn't know, if you went and did a little something, something kept yeah. that that's what I was getting. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but one of the fundamental tenets of psychotherapy is you don't work for the, you don't do the work for the client. So it's cheating in yeah. other words. They've right. Got I, that, their own that, that wouldn't even, that would be against my fundamental ethic that I don't do the work for you. Yeah. If you there will. we go. We found an ethical hard no. That's interesting. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> You did. I mean, I've never actually thought about it that deeply until now, but yeah, that would be a hard no. No, I'm not mixing. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say this. When I've done operations or I've done readings, does it go therapeutic? Yeah. It can get, yeah. I mean, oh yeah. You get people who are crying. They're, they're processing it. They're telling you stuff. Ooh, they're telling you stuff. But with that hat on, you're using all your skills. Right. Because everything's available then. Whereas when you're in your day job, that is, I'm, I'm only limited to these skills that I've, they've paid yeah. for, essentially. <laughs> That's right. is, they're paying for a particular kind of service. Um, and the ethics will always link to that. Yeah. Right. I, 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 there have been moments, you know, because I, I work for the NHS. So 
there are moments where someone's telling me something and you're kind of like oh well there are ways to fix that but it's not it's interesting actually I was talking to a different client yesterday um and she mentioned a moment where she was in the shop in a shopping center for the same thing somebody else obviously she's um sensitive so she looked at this woman and kind of went the woman turned back to her um, um don't say anything so she didn't look unwell but she was due to she was very long um but she was like don't acknowledge it and walked away I think I got half of that story. Yeah. We just assumed that it was a good one. So, so Paul, are you working on anything at the moment? Because sometimes, you know, we've all got our little projects and stuff like that going on. Are you working on anything kind of exciting or any little magical experiments or anything at the moment or preparing for anything? Because it's coming to the end of the year, isn't it? So are you just winding down or do you go through cycles within the year of, oh, I feel really empowered to kind of do some tinkering at certain parts? How does your, how does your kind of yearly cycle and, and that? Uh, mine sometimes is dictated by, I, I delight in um, following some of the more pagan, I don't call myself a pagan, but I, I enjoy the pagan holidays. So I just enjoy, I, I, I just love standing out from the Judeo-Christian Abrahamic crowd on the planet. So sometimes what I'm working on is inspired by that. For example. Krampus it, was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And he's, I, he's right here. Oh. <laughs> Isn't he cute? He's going to go on top of the tree. Um, and he'll freak all the Christians out. <laughs> It's fun watching their reaction. We have Christians in the family. It's fun watching them go, well, you have Satan on your tree. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't say it. So sometimes it's anchored in those. But most of the time, it's simply, it arises in the moment from a need, from a circumstance that's coming. So aside from this, the seminar series on the tarot, everything else is just arising in the moment. For example, there was a recent series of coronavirus healing craft. Well, didn't plan that, but that arose from the circumstances of the moment. So. How have you dealt with coronavirus? Is it, has it been okay with you? Have you had a lot of interruptions to your regular life? Oh, tremendous interruptions. Tremendous. And um, we're we're a red state and so our our politicians you know started off thinking it was a hoax you know they bought the whole trump bullshit and uh they were slow to close slow to quarantine slow to mask it turned into the most ridiculous um politic politicized fight uh even with all that because i'm in healthcare, we weren't slow we were fast. We quarantined our staff fast. Uh, you know, so quarantine is too strong. We socially isolated everybody, got them on telehealth, etc. It's been very disruptive to our life. Very. This has been going on since March. Extraordinarily disruptive. I have discovered the joys of working at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was cool. 
And we've also discovered that our client population engages better at home a bit. Yeah. So that this whole okay. telehealth thing has actually got, been, you know, insurance companies used to poo-poo telehealth. It's like, well, we're not going to pay for it. Or, or mm. we'll pay you a reduced rate. Well, COVID forced insurance companies to pay up and stop ranking telehealth subpar or stop, stop not paying for it. So there's some interesting things that have come out of all this, but especially in our country, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but it's become so ridiculously politicized and exhausting here um, that it's, it's been emotionally taxing. Well, there's been a nice distraction from Brexit, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. So how do you feel about using your knowledge and magic to influence global events then? Is that ethically a hard no? How do you feel about that kind of thing? Do you do, you do rituals, magic and stuff like that to help calm global events or to influence changing global events? You talked about the spider's web and that kind of thing. Well, that obviously makes quite a big ripple effect on the web. So how do you feel about that? Do you do it? Do you know other people that do it? Do you approve of other people doing that? Oh, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Now, here's, here's my one caveat. I think, I don't, I don't know the metaphor to use on this, but uh, that's quite a boulder to push. So when, uh, so when you're talking global event, let's just use Trump. <laughs> uh, for it would be it would be heady of me to think that i i have that degree of force or energy e equals mc squared kind of thing going to to move that boulder by myself so yeah i i, I can do something around that but i i don't think i'm necessarily moving the boulder mm. It, that's a because it's a big boulder when you're talking global events and world leaders and things like that you're talking a big boulder to, to push i don't know so how is that to... more of an ethics problem or is it the more of a you know the approach that you're not comfortable with so is it well, the fact that well actually i'm influencing a lot of other people's lives that i don't feel i have the right to or is it a case of that's a big undertaking? I don't think I want to tackle that mountain. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say it's more door number two. It's more of physics or metaphysics. Okay. I think it's just a metaphysical issue, which is, I mean, when it comes to Trump, I'm confident I want him off this planet. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. I don't care about karma and, oh, who would be affected? And, Oh, how, oh, what are the poor little Republicans going to think if he's off the planet? I, 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 I don't give a shit. Get him out. Move along. You've had your day. Done. So I, I guess that's a bit irreverent. But uh, when it comes to global stuff like that, I think you kind of brought it on yourself. I mean, yeah. you, 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 when you're going to have that much power, then you're going to have that much influence. You're going to have that much influencers. So I don't go there in my head like, oh, what are the karmic implications? I go more towards the physics of it all or the metaphysics of it all and say, can I move that boulder? That's really interesting because I thought it would be more of an ethics thing. 
most of the time when this question comes up is more of a I don't feel I have the right to do that. <laughs> well, but 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 then I'd say, well, then I might as well just close up shop because anything anyone ever comes to me and asks for, I'm I'm going to. Um, Are you guys there? Still there? Okay. Yeah, we can hear you. I got an error message. Where was I headed with that? I, <laughs> I, I just think uh, maybe that was a sign. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? You were too loud on those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I would then have to second guess myself on a whole bunch of stuff and say, well, what am I doing? Well, what are the implications? Well, if I'm going to tweak the spider web, then what, what vibratory re reaction am I? on the feedback loop am I getting, I, oh my goodness gracious. So. Um, well, you're certainly not the shoot first and ask questions later kind of which are you? <laughs> <laughs> See, I just hide the weapons from me. I find uh -huh. that's the easiest way to make sure I don't shoot first. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you gentlemen done any worldwide global stuff you don't have to say what is it rude but... for me to say it doesn't interest me well okay. i think that we come from the perspective <laughs> of the it's not worth it's kind of when you think of i kind of think of it in terms of okay so effort to reward ratio if i have to go to that place where i'm strong enough to be able to do that when i get there am i going to think it was worth doing it is it going to make a difference so when we've talked about questions like this you kind of think well the amount of effort that it takes to do that i'd have to assume a much bigger form than i am now generally whenever i assume that form in the past i'm more likely to think fuck it let's just smash the universe and start again so it's more of a yeah. case of like that's not a big enough thing for me to go to that for so it's kind of that middle ground. So I think that's the reason why we don't do things like that. I think it's more of a case of, well, it's kind of medium. We'll get involved with small things or we'll get a lot involved with really, really big things. But because that's a medium thing, don't really think they kind of... Yeah. <laughs> I, I think an analogy for me is, what do I, what do I think is realistic for me politically? in this mm. country well it is really unrealistic for me to think with our system the electoral college and all it's unrealistic for me to ever think that i will help flip my state oklahoma from red to blue mm. it's not going to happen for for a long long time every election oklahoma is going to go red even though it's purple so mm. where so i i try to affect my politics locally mm. yeah okay so magically it's the same and it's analogous because I think, well, where do I want to spend my energy? Do I want to spend yeah. it on global stuff, which is, sounds like a lot of work? Or do I want to help people around me, friends, family, clients, my own life? What's my sphere of influence? Since I do have limited sunlight and limited fuel in my fuel tank. Yeah. You're too busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been accused of that. So yeah, for me, it's the same. It's a case of <laughs> Liam's kind of middle, middle ground analogy kind of um, sounds very elitist and super witchy. Um, 
which is just the truth but it's just um yeah it's it's one of those where where's where's the limit at the end of the day he he's got one term he was never going to get more than one term <laughs> um what can you put in place to fix the ripple afterwards yeah so for me it would be forward planning um on yeah. the fact that it's it's a small and people talk of <laughs> i talk of thousands of years as short term so when you think so we of three years think of universes we think in terms of universes so the starting end of one okay. universe yeah. is like a, a second on a clock right <laughs> so it's, it's not a big yeah, enough problem that's true perspective that's yeah perspective so it's right perspective there. really yeah. but if you're talking politics i've always thought of it in terms of well if you're here with the experience that you've got I feel quite uncomfortable with the idea of if you raise children, for example, you've got to let them make mistakes. So if someone wants to do or vote for, you know, something cause and effect again, I think you've got to let those people make mm -hmm. the mistakes so that they can learn from it. Mm -hmm. I think the only time that me or Chris, I'd say, either of us would get involved as if there would be an outside influence to that, that would be in a more yeah. of an unfair playing field. Um, and we tend to get more involved with unfair playing fields. Now, if it's yeah. something like a small ripple effect and we're being asked to be involved, that's where we kind of make the distinction most of the time. And we use the cop out of, we'll teach you how to do it, but I'm not doing that myself. Partly because right. you couldn't pay me. <laughs> to do right. that because you've not got the money to do that because <laughs> it would yeah. come at a very high price yes um, you know, um, but, yeah at, spiritually at the end of the day i'm a taoist and so taoists very much are into uh you know it's the parable of the chinese farmer nature happens and you can't make a value judgment on it yeah i mean i'm sure the first egyptians absolutely freaked out when the nile flooded <laughs> and they went oh no no, not today. Well, yes, today. And then they realized, oh, the Nile flooded. Oh, hmm. flood equals good. We thought flood equals bad. So what's going on right now in our country or what, you know, all around the world, but I'm just using my country, is healthy for us because it's helped Americans, some Americans get out of the American arrogance. That it, yeah. You can't talk Americans out of that American arrogance. You got you got to bitch slap them a little bit. That we got the best system in the world. Um, although we have, although our system did check check him every step of the way, it did check him. He was unchecked in other ways. I mean, he got yeah. he, he got some shit of his own done. So all that to say, I also don't want to intervene magically when the system's taking care of itself. Yeah. So even though he, he was an embarrassment obnoxious humiliating at times that he was on representing us nonetheless our system kept slapping him down slapping him down and it's slapping him down now as we speak it's slapping him down our system is working so all right so i think i'll spend my time on something else yeah well, i mean with the whole coronavirus thing and we're talking about psychics and that how many psychics and practitioners that you meet just tend to really get involved and look at the small aspects of people's lives. I think when I meet the the sort of psychics that work at these psychic fairs, it's always like 
tell me about my love life, tell me about this, tell me about that. There seems to be a lot of people that look at the tiny minute picture that's to do with one specific person's life, but I think there's kind of a lost, a lot of people have lost the ability or there doesn't seem to be that many people that look about the big picture. When you go backwards in time, where are the Nostradamus types, which are like, oh, okay, yes. well, let's look at some of these big events that might be going on. I don't ever really see that. People don't talk about that. And I, I'm not true. entirely sure why that is, to be honest. Maybe, um, maybe it's that the world has never been so saturated with information. And so we're a, we defend against that by isolating our sphere of interest because Nostradamus lived at a different time when his mm. knowledge of what was going on the, on the planet was limited. So he yeah. could almost afford to say, ooh, what are the big kahuna things ha that are going on right now? We go, oh my God. I just scrolled through Facebook. I don't want to know big kahuna. <laughs> or, or clients don't want to know it. They're like, I don't want to know big yeah. kahuna. I got big kahuna every day when I turn on the news. I, learn, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't need it. I want to know what's happening with my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it depends on the nature of the clients as well, though, to be fair. Because if you're thinking about the old court magicians and that, you would be, if you were any good, you'd be reading for a lot of the time the kings and queens and that, which care about big events. Whereas the old kind of was still, apart from a couple of them, who did do a lot of, you know, future forecasts and big events, a lot of it was still kind of, okay, I need to know this because it's to do with survival. So it's more mundane life, I suppose. And I, I see those types on YouTube where they absolutely are making huge astrological predictions for 2021 and stuff like that. I don't, I don't yet, I, and I suppose you could do the same for a private client you could tell them well here's some karmic influences and these are some past life stuff that i think is going on and sure i suppose you could do that i'm rarely asked that no i know that's the thing isn't that that's is people aren't interested <laughs> yeah they really don't care they're just like no is my boyfriend cheating yes or no <laughs> what's grandma got to say right <laughs> oh, yeah mm -hmm. what does grandma think my new boyfriend like you know she thinks one, the same as the last one. One thing, I do, one thing I do notice, and I think this is where I've tried to stand apart, is people want specificity and they want a straight answer. Yeah. And one of the things that has annoyed me about our community is we're so scared of being wrong or whatever, or I don't know how to put it, but we, the pe people of our sort give these folks uh, pablum, baby food answers. Yeah. that are so uh, qualified. Well, maybe this and maybe that. And, and so we speak in these little platitudes, and, but we don't actually say yes, no. And I say that risking I'm, I might be wrong. Uh, yeah. I follow a little bit uh, uh, Camelia Elias, or Elias, I forgot how to say her last name. She's out there in the magical community. And um, I appreciate her. <laughs> She's just... Um, a courageous way of reading. She says, uh, read like the devil. So mm -hmm. she says, say what you say. And yeah, she doesn't actually say it this way, but she's basically say what you see and, and you know, say what you mean and be done with it and take a risk. Yeah. And she analogizes, she says, you know, she grew up around, I think a lot of Romani people 
and she'd say, read like a Romany. You know, they would, they'd sit down with you and go, all right, <clears throat> so you're going to live, uh, you're going to live till 80, then you're going to die. And you're going <laughs> to die, you're going to die of a lung disease. You know, and people were like, what the hell? She did <laughs> But she used that as an example where they just say it. And she said, so in her classes, she teaches you to just say it. Obviously, your client knows you might be wrong, but you know, this the new age community gets into this. Oh, but the power that I have, yeah, oh, if I say that and I'm wrong, the power that I exert over their little minds. <laughs> and I, th I think people come to us with a margin of error in their mind, yeah. I think, I think part of it is always going to be a bit of fear, though. Like over here, over you, over your way, you've got suing culture, and yeah. then over this side we've inherited a bit of that um and we have the uh, fraudulent mediums act um oh. Oh. that kind of says it kind of says that if you if you say you can tell the future uh you need to be able to prove that so uh, there is oh that my. kind of there is that kind of part i think it doesn't stop us though it doesn't stop <laughs> us but there, there is a certain uh, part of that it's for entertainment purposes only and i think that phrase really hurts mediums and and occultists over here in the fact that you've always got to make that statement of what i'm doing is for fun mm. and you just yeah. kind of like regardless of yeah We've regardless got the exact of how same. good you are uh, you still have to have that kind of um disclaimer that says you know, it's not my fault if it all goes wrong, which... Right. Or if you follow my advice, or, or what the what the card said, or whatever divinatory medium I use, if you follow my advice, I'm not, I'm not responsible for the choices you make, because this was entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, we have precisely the same clause here, which um, a lot of clients look at that as like, there's so much CYA, we call it over here, cover your ass stuff that goes on <laughs> yeah. a lot of clients just see that as cya and they're just like yeah you're just that's just cya i know you're good <laughs> but you know you have to you have to do the cya stuff yeah but we also don't want that witchcraft app coming back in because otherwise we'll end up having to go back to court and that every time someone thinks we've cursed someone right so we prefer magic to not be mm. too <laughs> out yeah there. but at the same yeah. time newer generations helping people along their way yeah i think it's important to us right but there we go so chris have you got any more questions or anything like that because i think we've kept paul for far too long <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's more than a normal hour <laughs> i think he's gone now he must have gone right I have to say thank you very much. We there really is. do appreciate. And it's really nice to talk to someone that's a part of the group because otherwise we just kind of get to talk to you with comments and things like that. Yeah, it's never, sure. never really mm -hmm. the same, is it? Mm -hmm. So yeah, unless there's kind of... anything else you'd like to say for the podcast and you are on the Patreon part, so okay. it's, it's private. <laughs> we ever really get anyway. It's, it's quasi-private. Um, <laughs> But yeah, do you have anything else you'd like to say? It's, it's been a real pleasure hanging out with you guys. And um, 
I am choosy with what groups I join because partly because of time and also because I get yeah. so sick and tired of condescending <laughs> administrators who, uh, <laughs> who, treat, who treat their uh, groups like everyone's our infants and they don't want people's feelings hurt. So one of the things that caught my eye was when you guys said, here are the two, I don't know if you said this, but you said something like, here are our two rules. You may not have said that, but we got that, three rules. And okay, one's three. No whiny wimps. Uh, yeah, and I think that was the rule. I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Yes, I've gotten reprimanded on a group or two, and it's just so annoying. I'm just like, I am a grown up. Get out of here. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when we did that that Fasty Witches um, episode, that was because I got kicked out of a group by an admin because I gave my honest opinion about something. The funny thing was the other admin kicked her out and then appointed me as a, as oh. a moderator. So okay. I was like, oh, brilliant, I won. And the really funny <laughs> thing is she's just recently joined the No Holds Bar Witchcraft group. So she's in there. Okay. <laughs> and I'm keeping an eye on what she says. I don't necessarily agree with what she says all the time, but I'm not going to turn around and say, well, that's right or that's wrong, because that's not how you learn at the end of the day, is it? With groups like this, the whole point was everyone gets their own, their own opinion. And, you know, if you don't want to listen to someone, then don't listen don't to listen. them. But I don't think that censoring and saying, no, you can't put that, we've all got to follow this bloody wick and read or whatever else it is, yeah, it, it, no one learns anything from that. It's just an echo chamber. Right. Yeah, I've, <clears throat> in a recent group, I posted something on the writer Waite-Smith, merely contrasting it with the Marseille Tarot. Well, the group was on oh, the Marseille dear. Tarot. <laughs> and in, in swoops, super Uberman administrator, <laughs> and um, basically slaps my hand, but doesn't slap my hand, publicly announces it. Yeah saying this group is for this. I, I'm not saying my comment to that was healthy, <laughs> <laughs> but I commented back basically saying this, this, come on, enough. And I was warned, I was warned one more time, was warned. I was like, well, when was my, one more time, when was my first warning? I mean, I, <laughs> this is my first offense, I, I, one, I get one more time. So it's stuff, it's stuff like that that just annoys me when you feel like every comment has to be validated. Everyone has to have their, everyone has to hug everybody rather than saying, I don't, I don't agree with that comment. I don't see what you're saying. That didn't impress me so much. Everyone's got to give everyone a hug. And so yeah. appreciate that. Even though I will say on your, on your group, there is a good deal of helpful validation. People are very, and people have been very kind to me as well, saying, hey, I really like your aesthetic. Uh, that I found that craft very inspiring. So, well, People always like to know what other people are up to as well. And sharing, sharing what you're up to is something that you do, you do a lot. And people, I think, get a real thrill out of seeing someone else's work. Right. So, you know, even if it's something that they've seen before, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's another approach to it. Especially in our community who, yeah. you know, don't like sharing. Mm. So having someone that shares so willingly as you do really helps other people to kind of go, oh, I see what you're doing there. Um, right. Because you, you, right. you, how often, even when you're a group of witches that know each other personally, 
you know it's rare that you'll go through the the um the be all and end all of an entire process mm. whereas that picture that your your pictures just kind of go ah oh, so that's what he's doing right here's <laughs> you know? phase, whereas, phase one phase two phase three <laughs> yeah whereas you're kind of like oh i like that whereas we're just not we don't naturally do that as as a as a community i think so i think that's why it's so refreshing well, thank you. Um, a picture says a thousand words and generally when people write a thousand words in a comment is telling you why you're doing it wrong and why they're right. So, it, you know, <laughs> it's just positive, isn't it? I don't think you've ever written anything negative. We'll try and get you to at some point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we can, but... <laughs> oh, I mean, that's all for contributing a lot because you contribute probably more than anyone else does in the group I'd say uh, certainly over the time that we've started the group up mm. and we yeah. have to thank you for that because yeah, otherwise it would just be a dead space if people didn't right right and, un and unlike a lot of other moderators we don't like to just be the only thing being said <laughs> yeah we end up being a lot of the time but there we go at least in the Witch Half Life group. <laughs> Let's be right. fair. It's pretty much just clients in there, isn't it? So Right. Yeah. And when I when I share stuff, I try to share it in the spirit of um, here are the ingredients that I found in my yard, but and here's why I chose them, but by no means am I giving you a, gr a grimoire or something or something like that. It's like I try to tell people here's why I chose what I chose. Yeah. But uh, go your own direction. Yeah, I, think, I think that's why it's so refreshing is because it's not it's not prescriptive it's it, have a look at what i've been doing right. and i that i think that's why it we like it so much is the fact right. that you've never once kind of suggested this is the right way to do something which is how people who normally post things like that would normally approach it it would normally be oh look at me i'm so clever this is this is how you should be doing it Whereas nothing you ever post has that negative spirit of, you know, okay. super witch like we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that came through because that was. You fun. can learn a lot from reverse engineering, though, as well. If you've got people's yeah. take on things, you can learn a lot from a reverse from reverse engineering, really thinking about what the other person's done or is doing compared to just the formula for something. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. We're, we should do a lot more than that. We're going to have to copy you. We'll have to put more pictures of yeah. the sort of stuff we do. The thing is, the thing is, my work just isn't that pretty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there isn't I, a, there isn't much to it. So, like, we'd be too easily outdone seems... by you. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, I wouldn't be able to showboat in quite <laughs> like. I'd be like, oh shit! I bet Paul's got a much prettier version of this. <laughs> I don't know. I watched the candle. What did I what what you do, Liam? You did this candle jar spell? Uh, I think no Yeah, it was at a jar and then you wrote you it, the writing was backwards and you put Oh, the that was in. a Leonardo da Vinci style one. Yeah, that was really oh, I, bad. I, I, no, I, I enjoyed it. Like, seen that. I was like, I, this was cool. It was some cool stuff. Yeah, reverse and uh, reverse uh, writing. When it mirror writing, Leonardo da Vinci's mirror writing. That's what mm -hmm. the idea I nicked from Leonardo da Vinci. Mm -hmm. I thought this would make a good candle spell. Mm -hmm. But that's what we're all talking about—is that yeah. approach right there? You didn't necessarily 
go to the library and get a book and open it up and said, do this, do this, and do yes. this. You syncretized a lot of ideas, yeah. mo mostly based on the metaphysics of magic. Like, well, why is that going to work? Mm. That was your big deal. So, Yeah, I was supposed to be doing a pop-it one at some point. I'll have to do a pop-it one, just because so many people have been asking about pop-its and stuff. And then that love one came in, and I thought, mm, that might be a good one. I do love a nice pop-it. <laughs> Yeah, at our at our wedding in New Orleans, we had as part of the wedding activities during the week, we had a voodoo doll making activity. Um, the Southern Baptist Christians did not attend, which we we quite <laughs> frankly did not want them to attend. We were like, "You're just going to rain on our parade. We're just going to be preoccupied with what you're thinking." But everyone else attended and absolutely had a blast with it, and realized that puppets as you guys call them. And that's probably where voodoo got, actually got voodoo dolls was the poppets from the UK. Uh, they absolutely loved it. And they, I think you could see people's uh, light bulbs going off in their heads saying, you know what, I could use this doll for any number of things. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and not just like, I could, but more like, oh, wait a minute now. I could do health. I could do abundance. I could do love. There's all kinds of things I could make with this poppet. So it was a very popular activity. I'll tell you that. That would have been an awesome wedding. Yeah. I, yeah. People did tell us uh, that was the most fascinating wedding they've ever been to in their life. And then my brother who's Buddhist and had a Buddhist wedding, which was, I thought fabulous. He came to me and he said, so yeah, did me. <laughs> On fascinating wedding themes, <laughs> he said, I don't think anyone in the family will ever beat that. You had a voodoo wedding and a voodoo week. <laughs> <laughs> but little did they know, I, we were introducing them to things that is really just principles of magic. Yeah. You just simply translated through the costume, the cultural costume of New Orleans. That's all that, yeah. that's all that was going on there. You know, people got preoccupied with, oh, voodoo, how intriguing. Well, right, but it really is just the same principles translated through the cultural costume of New Orleans. That's all that's happening here, people. But uh, we, we let them think, okay, you're having a major voodoo experience here. Yeah. <laughs> actually you just if you ever do have time on your hands, you could always go into wedding planning for witches. Yeah. <laughs> you would make a killing. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, but you you have to be so much you money. have to be willing you and your party have to be willing to expose yourself to that and we what we had to do is be willing to have a ceremony and everything with guests who are watching all of this mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. forming opinions so it was we had to be vulnerable enough to open that our world up to that it went it went swimmingly but it certainly was it took some vulnerability to say i'm going to expose all of this to everybody it's something that's rather private kind of client only sort of thing now i've got wedding guests sitting in a voodoo yeah. wedding ceremony yeah. you know yeah it went well but there it, it did take a moment of consideration we thought about do we want to do something more tame a cute little pagan ceremony or something like that. Um, 
something new agey, but we said, no, we, we want to do something super authentic and put, let it all hang out. We did. Yeah. No chickens though. There was no chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Good. No, they weren't. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wow, well, and delightful hanging out with you, gentlemen. Pleasure. Anytime. Well, thank you very much for uh, letting us interview you, and hopefully it wasn't too painful. Just mildly. <laughs> <laughs> it tickled. Like a mild needle prick now and then. <laughs> no more than I would put into a poppet. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you so much. It's been great hanging out with you guys. And we'll see you on the... Yeah, we'll see you in the group. In the group, yeah. All right. Right. Keep up the great work. End this now. Okay. So, Bye. goodbye, everyone. You'll all disappear. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>